I remember I was playing the other day. And, oh, I was playing the other day, and um, they started calling me the vicar on the golf course because they can't get their head around a person just serving God uh, and you know, not being a vicar. And uh, one of them told me a great story. A vicar, young vicar, goes to uh, sorry, an old vicar, very polite vicar, goes to a, a, a lady's house, and she's got a parrot. And hanging from one leg of the parrot is a red cord, and hanging from the, the, the other leg is a yellow cord. And the vicar says, hello, darling, the idea, rather. Uh, what happens? What's red cord and yellow cord? And she said, well, if you pull the red cord, the, the parrot will sing a bib with me. So, oh, right. It's very good. So the, parrot, the vicar pulls the red cord, and there goes the parrot. Abide with me, etc., etc. What about the yellow cord? Well, that's how, that is um, how great thou art. Oh, right. So the vicar pours the yellow cord. Then sings my soul. I say, wow, says the vicar. That's amazing. He said, what happens if I pull both cords? And the vicar suddenly, uh, sorry, the parrot suddenly says, I'll fall off my perch, you daft sausage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite a good joke. Nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. But <laughs> um, this is a great occasion, isn't it? Great occasion, um, you know, to, to people saying, I want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, not play around with it all. Now, this would be interesting. See if this works, Eileen. I'm going to read a little story from the scriptures. We see somebody being baptized. Great. And, um, and I'll just bring out one or two things from it. OK, so here we go. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the town until he came to Caesarea. <laughs> what an interesting story. Philip, by the way, was in this great revival in Samaria. It was shocking. Samaritans hate Jews. And here was the gospel going to the Samaritans who hate the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. 
And God was saying, no, my gospel is for everybody, even your enemies, even those you think you despise. So Philip goes to Samaria and sees this great revival. There's healings, there's people getting filled with the Spirit when uh, 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 Paul and uh, James, John come up. There's all sorts of wonderful things happening. And then the angel says, go to the desert. There he is standing in the desert. Think, oh, this is great. There's revival happening there. I'm praying. People are getting saved and healed. I'm sitting here, I'm standing in the desert. Because that's when he sees the chariot coming by. And he hears this man. Now, if you look at that first passage we saw, this guy isn't just any old Ethiopian. Did you notice who he was? He was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was. He was in charge of all the treasury of Queen Candace. Now, that's the, that's no, no mean job, is it? Yet he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship because he believed in the true God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. So he would be given leave by his queen to go and worship at one of the feasts there. Amazing, really, isn't it? And he's genuine. You see, it doesn't matter how far off you are or where you are. If there's a genuine heart cry in you, God hears it. And God is hearing this man thinking, well, who is this? I'm reading Isaiah 53. You know, what's it all about? And Philip says, do you understand? He said, no, I don't. Unless someone helps me, is this the prophet Isaiah or is it about somebody else? And Jesus said, Philip says, I'll tell you. So he gets Philip up onto the chariot. So they're still trucking along, I assume. And Philip starts to tell him all about Jesus. And if you look at Isaiah 53, uh, where are we? Uh, I've done that. Oh, no. Anyway, he would have gone through the whole. And Isaiah 53, if you look at it, is all about Jesus coming and dying for us in our place. You see, this, this guy wanted to know a relationship with God. He, he came and gave sacrifices like the other Jews. But he wanted an intimate relationship with God. He wanted to know God as his father. Look at this part of the, the, the uh, Isaiah 53. Talk about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one who men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed it not. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. And, and as he is reading this, he is stirred by this sacrifice that's going on here. Notice, by the way, we, like sheep, all of us, have gone astray. There's a lostness in our hearts, isn't there, outside of God? Do you remember in the garden when Adam and Eve said, oh, no, we're going to turn our back on God. We're going to eat this fruit and we're going to do it for ourselves. Independence. That's what sin is. Sin is actually saying God is irrelevant. Sin is saying I don't really need God in my life. It doesn't mean to say you do wicked things straight away at all. You might never do very, very wicked things in the world's eyes. But sin is actually saying I don't need God. He's interesting. <laughs> that is sin. That's independence. It's lostness. And then you look at the state of our world where people are trying to find meaning, trying to find what it's all about in our nation with all that's been going on with these politicians. Wow, what's going on? Lost. We're like sheep gone astray. Who can bring us back to the Father? And it's our, our selfishness and our sin. And we deserve to be punished. And, and in the garden, God said, if you go that way, you'll die. Well, they didn't drop down dead straight away, but the death started ticking in their bodies. Their, the death they had spiritually towards God was awful, but then their bodies suffered from that. 
Jesus came. Notice this next part. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. The glorious thing about the gospel is that we see we can never earn our way back to God. We can never find it by going through therapies or through religion. We can only come back to God through Jesus. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the love. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it's humbling. The offense of the gospel is that I can't bring anything to the plate. I can't bring anything to it. It offends me. I want to do something to earn my salvation. It's so offensive, isn't it? But I've got to receive. I've got to receive what he's offered me. It's humbling. And we see him punished, stricken, afflicted by God. And yet what he's done is saying, I'm going to bear all the pain, all the things you deserve by your life. I'm going to take the suffering, which is yours, but I'll take it myself. And I, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be restored to your father. And as you come and trust me, I will bring you to the father. Of course, what you're doing in baptism here today is you're showing us the gospel. You're showing this good news. When you go under the water, and you won't stay there, don't worry. But when you go under the water, you're, you're showing Jesus died. He went, he went right through death. So we need not fear death. He went through death. Under he goes. Does he stay there? No. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Up, up he comes. And as you come out of the water, you're, you're showing us how he rose from the dead. And he lives victoriously forever. It's wonderful, isn't it? Now, just in briefly, the last part, part here, I'm going to say this. The Ethiopian asks an interesting question. So Philip tells him all about Jesus dying and how actually salvation is in Jesus if he just gives his heart to the Lord and follows him. But then he asks this question. See the question? See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? In other words, why shouldn't I be baptized? Now, what does that tell you about what Philip said to the Ethiopian? You all got quiet. Be back. Yes. So in other words, Philip said it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. If you really want to show that you are going to follow Jesus, you need to be baptized. He didn't leave that bit out. Often I've heard people preach the gospel and never, leave, never mention this. But Philip didn't miss it out. He said, if you really want to follow Jesus, you need to demonstrate that by being baptized. Is what you're doing. So why is baptism so important? That's the first sermon. Look at his first sermon. Philip get, uh, Peter gets up and there's a move of the Holy Spirit. And people say, wow, what's going on? And Peter starts to say, Look, what's happening with us, with the Holy Spirit on us and praising God in different languages is a sign that the Jesus, Jesus who you crucified, rose from the dead. It is now at the Father's right hand. He's reigning on high and he's poured out his Holy Spirit on us. So what you're seeing, us being filled with the Spirit, is proof positive that Jesus is who he said he was, that he died and he rose again and he's at the right hand of the Father. Well, all the Jews, what have we done? We've killed our messiah so they said what must we do and this is what peter answered okay what you've got to do is repent and 
Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two things you need to do, and two things God will do. You need to repent, means turn away from being independent and, and going your own way, but turning to Jesus and come back to God and get baptized to demonstrate you mean it. And what will happen? God will forgive you and then he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. So we'll be praying for you to be filled with the Spirit again today. It can't be bad, can it? <laughs> now, what is important to realize? We baptize people because of this. Because Jesus told us to. You understand? It's not just making up something. There's only two sacraments we're actually told to do. Nothing with these saints, Saint Newman or whatever he's going to be. Also, that rubbish about we're all saints who are saved. Yes? I'm as, I'm as righteous as St. Paul because my faith is in Jesus, not in me. Hallelujah. I'm justified as much as Cardinal Newman, who's going to be a saint praying this week. But none of these other things that they do with genuflecting and bowing and whatever. Two things. He said, I want you to baptize people to show they're following me. And I want you to break bread, which even a five-year-old can understand. His body broken. The wine is his blood. Here, he died for us, he rose again. And Jesus said to them, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Okay, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we baptize, first of all, folks, because Jesus told us to. It's good to do something that he tells us to do, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> There he is. Three very quick things, and I mean that quick. Why is baptism so important? Well, what is baptism? Okay. Baptism, the word is a Greek word. It means to dip or immerse or plunge. It used to be used, it wasn't a religious term. It was used in the Bible uh, and in, in those early days, really, to, if someone was going to dye a cloth, they would baptize it into the Thai bath. Or if a ship sunk, glug, 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 glug. glad your ferry didn't sink here on Friday. Glug, glug, glug. It was baptized into the channel. English channel, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> or you could say, I'm going to baptize this biscuit into my coffee. <laughs> Bucket in a well. In other words, it went right in. Trouble is, if you put hot, you know, if you're Coffee's a bit hot. You go, oh, hold me finger. <laughs> so it, it requires, biblically, immersion. It requires getting you right in there. Um, when when uh, John the Baptist was baptizing, it says here, uh, they came to the way there was plenty of water. Jesus, when he was baptized, amazing, wasn't it? It says, and Jesus was coming up out of the water. Notice coming up out of the water. They weren't just sprinkling on. And when he came out, they saw heaven being torn and the spirit is amazing that spirit descending. You know, there's Jesus get baptized. That's my boy. That's my son. You listen to him. And then the Holy Spirit comes like a dove and the Holy Spirit says, let's start ministering. And so Jesus starts ministering. And in our reading today, he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, he baptized him, and then they came up out of the water. 
So it's not a religious term, but it's a thorough soaking, a thorough giving of yourself to Jesus, a thorough yielding of your life, as it were, to him. Who should be baptized? Well, Jesus said this, actually, in Mark 16. Who believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Quite strong words. Now, my dear old grandma had such a bad chest, nearly dying off in the hospital, uh, they felt she couldn't be baptized. But she's fine. She's saved. There's a valid reason why she couldn't be. I don't know if many people have a valid reason. Jesus, in other words, is saying your belief is the most important thing, your faith. But if it's genuine, it will be demonstrated by baptism. And many people, I think, stop there. They oh, well, I, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to have forgiveness. But do I really want to follow him? And it finds them out. Somehow when you get baptized, it cuts off that past. It breaks something in you and sets you free. Those who accepted his message, that's the first sermon we looked at when Peter said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It then says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Not people who were hanging around, but those who actually accepted his message. And they had about 3,000. Grumps, man. 3,000. Stroll on. I know there were, what, the 11th disciples or so. Well, you know, that's a lot of baptizing each. You've divided 3,000 by 12. What's that? 300 or something? I don't know. That's a lot of baptizing going on, man. Baptism is for believers. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. But if you become a Christian, you need to be baptized. Um, it's quite interesting. When we church planted in Exeter, Jane and I, uh, we started with just a small group. We've got lots and lots of students joined the church. And some came from all sorts of backgrounds. And when they heard me preaching things like this, they said, we need to be baptized. But I've been christened. Is, is that really a genuine baptism? Uh, I remember one of the first baptisms was actually a Catholic young lady, lovely lady. And I had to say, well, look, you were christened probably because your parents wanted to do the best for you. They wanted you to, to be part of the church, probably. But that wasn't the baptism here. It's, you weren't believing when you baptized. And therefore, when you, when you baptize infants, you've got a problem. What happens when they're 13, 12, 13, 14, and they want to say, I want to follow Jesus for myself? And they say, well, you can't be baptized again because we did you as a baby. So um, we'll confirm. You can confirm that what you did was right. Well, you won't find babies being christened in the Bible, and you won't find confirmation in the Bible. What you will find in the Bible is believers being baptized. It was always after a person believed that they got baptized. So uh, Paul, the Philippian jailer, there's a jailer in Philippi that got saved marvelously. It says he and his whole family got baptized. He, because they all believed, you'll find in the scripture. In other words, they believed, therefore they were baptized. And there's no age limit on anyone to get baptized. I mean, I've baptized young children who, but they must have an understanding of, of turning from their naughtiness, they were called, their sin, and actually believing Jesus is their saviour and Lord and want to follow him. They must understand that. See, wouldn't it be lovely if I'm, I've got a brother, my older brother's what better than many Christians I know, but he's not a Christian. He's not born again. He's not got eternal life that will live forever. You know, with God, he's, I'd love to get hold of him, stick him out under some water and say a prayer. Wouldn't you? Well, I'll christen him. He's, he's all right. That doesn't work, does it? 
You can't take someone and stick them under water and say, right, I've said a prayer over you. You're all right, cock, all right? You can't do that. But that's what they're doing with babies, of course. I think they can do that with babies. And it causes confusion. So we had to say to these students, look, look, be honoring of your parents. Say to your parents, we know you christened us, baptized us, although they didn't put the baby right in. They just sprinkled. And when we were little, and we appreciate that, mum and dad, but now we want to confirm it, not, and some of them have been confirmed, we want to confirm it properly now by being baptized as believers. Surely that must bless you, mum and dad, more than anything, that we are now believers in our own right. And most of the parents were fine. A, a bishop I chatted to who talked to talk we baptized was fine about it. Uh, but I just want, want you to understand, it's believers who we baptized. There's nothing sentimental here. Finally. What does baptism mean? I've just put down three things. There's deeper things if you want to mention. Here they go. It means I've been forgiven. When the apostle Paul was baptized, he, he'd been killing, <laughs> imprisoning Christians, awful, and he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Oh, wow. It's, uh, the, the guy, Ananias, who actually prayed for him, said this, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, the baptism, the water doesn't wash your sins away. Calling on his name washes your sins away. But the baptism is actually a very clear picture, a symbol of you being washed clean. Wow. So when they go down, forgiven, utterly forgiven. That glorious? Again, that first sermon, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. So it means I've been forgiven forever. Second, means I'm living a new life. Paul says we were buried with him through baptism. In other words, we so wanted to believe and follow him that we got baptized and say, I'm dying with you, as it were, in order that we too may live a new life. So when you're, 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 just, you're trusting Mick or whoever, who's baptizing today? You and various people, okay. Well, I hope they've got, got slippery fingers. I mean, I have dropped one or two when I've done it in the past, but... <laughs> And they came up spluttering, but they surely were baptized. <laughs> I tell you. So you know, I'm a little bit clumsy, so it's fun. The, the, the most difficult ones are tall ones, aren't they? You get to it. How are we going to fit him in here? You know, go bang his head. So sometimes, they, could you get on your knees? <laughs> There's all sorts of ways. God doesn't care. Jesus is just saying, I'm glad I'm mine. Hallelujah. <laughs> Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. As Jane prayed out, as that reading there. Those who received him, believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not born of uh, normal means, but born of God. So if you put your faith in Jesus, he quickens you. The very fact that you put your faith there is him quickening you. He's bringing you into a new life. Hallelujah. Could you understand what a lot of the world don't understand? So it means I'm living a new life. And finally, it means I'm following Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command which means you'll get baptized. Not because I tell you. I'm, I'm not telling you to be baptized. I'm saying, listen to what Jesus says, all right? It's my role. My role is never to tell people what to do. It's to say, what does, what does Jesus say? What does the scriptures say? If you love me, you'll obey why. If you're a believer here today, don't miss out. What a privilege to be baptized. But also, it's a mark of your obedience. Mark of, are you being serious about this? Are you wimpish? All of you were baptized, who were baptized, have been clothed with Christ. I love that expression. 
you know, those of us who are baptized, we say, I want to be clothed with Jesus. It's like a soldier putting his, his uh, uniform on, demonstrating I'm serving my king. I'm under the banner of King Jesus. And when you get baptized, you'll say, that's where I'm going. So the reading is quite exciting, isn't it? Philip opens his mouth, he starts to see, and he says, see, here is water. What prevents me? He couldn't wait. What stops me from being baptized? Now, Jesus never asks us to do what he himself has not done. He calls us to follow him. He was baptized. And he calls us to be baptized. He offers forgiveness, a new start in a new life. Baptism is for believers. It shows others that we're serious about following Jesus. When the Ethiopian man said, what stops me? <laughs> Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip said, nothing. Let's get on with it. Let's get baptized. And if you're a believer here today and you've not been baptized, you'd like to join the friends, we'll find some clothes for you. Or you could drip off home. No, you can't really. Now, we have at times find someone spontaneously say, I would love to be baptized. And we'd say, well, okay, hold on. We'll do you last. Could you go home and get some stuff? And we, we send people off to get towels and whatever to try to help you. If you don't, you know, the, 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 the Ethiopian said, you know, what's stopping me? Can I get on with this, please? I don't know if he had a change of clothing. He probably did, didn't he? Because he was there for the feast. Have you noticed? Philip's in a revival with enemies, Samaritans, God's blessing them. Now we have a black man going back to Africa. We have the first convert to Africa going back to Ethiopia. Isn't that wonderful? This one man goes back, very influential man, going back. He's, he goes back worshipping, it says. He's praising God. Can you imagine what ripples effect that happened in Africa? Isn't that wonderful? Wow. What stops you being baptized? Let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died on that cross. You took all our sin and shame. You didn't mind going through anything. You went through hell and back for us. Thank you, Lord, as our friends get baptized today. We see that picture of, of them coming out of the water. And we thank you. You defeated death. You overcame sin. You are the reigning king. And Lord, we want to follow you. We want to put on the best uniforms we can. We want to serve you. You are so worthy of our love and praise. And Lord, we, some of us are looking back on our baptisms, like do it again. But I do pray, Lord, for anyone here who's considering, is God speaking to me? I pray, Lord, they might respond to the affirmative, say, yes, I'll follow Jesus. I'll be baptized. And I pray a blessing on those who are being baptized as they do that, as they come out, as they're living this new life for you. I thank you that you'll never leave them. You'll never fail them. You'll never forsake them. Thank you. They have an eternity in heaven. In our Father's house, there's room for them. Hallelujah. Amen.